evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 101 of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast, the world's greatest Bolton Wanderers podcast. I'm joined tonight by Will Jones. Good evening, Will. How are you doing, pal? Good evening, Chris. Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, very good. Excellent, excellent. And also being joined by our fearless leader, Eddie Skelly. Eddie, nice to talk to you again. It's been a while. It has been a while, yeah. It's been a couple of years. Great to be (laughs) back on. Time flies, time flies. And of course, I'm Chris Manning. Welcome, everyone, to the show. Um, Right, so just to start things off, I think if we just have a bit of a moment to to sort of sit back and relax, uh, uh, some happy memories. It was only a week ago, but I, I personally particularly enjoyed our 100th episode, which was guested on by Mark Hiles and, of course, Super John McGinley. I trust everybody listening to this, including you two lads, has listened back to the show. It was, it was really informative and certainly gave me, as a as a fan of that kind of era, uh, a real insight into some of the behind-the-scenes goings-on, the, the way that Wanderers thought, the way that Wanderers behaved, and the way that we played at the time as well, because I, I look back on those times with, with really fond memories. And so to hear John talking so candidly about those really... Just gave me a great sense of nostalgia. Just made me miss those days even more than I already did. Um, as two younger supporters, and obviously I don't mean that with any kind of disrespect, but Will, um, what, what did you think of the show? I mean, obviously John came on there and he spoke from the heart on a lot of occasions. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously I, I wasn't sort of around at his sort of time, but you know, just to hear the, the memories that he went through and you know to, to reminisce with us was quite surreal. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of it I, I wasn't too in tune with, but. Again, it, it was just fascinating to you know some of the more modern day stories. Um, obviously, I can relate to the, to the last few days of Burnham Park and, and and moving to the Reebok and so on. So, yeah, honestly, it, it was a it, it was definitely one of the most enjoyable podcasts I've ever done. So yeah, I totally agree. And and Eddie, what, I mean, the the part that I particularly enjoyed and, and resonated with me was his his passionate comments about how the club are not utilising. The, the sort of ex-player network that we've got around the world in, in helping identify players or offer any sort of assistance or guidance to the team. I appreciate that might be a, a rose-tinted way of, of working, of that all the former players all get involved, like some sort of pound shot by in Munich. But do you think there's any sort of merit in what McGinley said, if we could utilise all those people spread all around the world? I mean, of, of course, you know, um, especially now in the times where the fans, you know, there's, there's a bit of apathy around the, the ground and around the on social media at the time. And, and to utilise ex-players like that who have as much passion and care for the club as McGinley, you know, you've seen it with Stuart Holden on social media in recent days and, and Fabrice Mulamba and to use players from the Rioch era, you know, it, it it's an avenue that the club should look at in future. I completely agree. Sounds like we're all on the same page on that one. So yeah, you know, in sort of summary, I think everyone who hasn't listened to it should definitely go and get and check it out because not only is it an interesting look back into the into the, the history of the club, it's also I thought John spoke very well and and sensibly about a lot of the current issues facing the side. I mean, since episode ninety nine when we last spoke about football, which feels like about three years ago now, I think it was only about six or seven weeks. A lot's happened. Obviously, we've not won a football match because let's not be silly. Um, <laughs> But a lot has happened on and off the pitch, off the pitch. I mean, primarily off the pitch because the on the field stuff really hasn't been worth talking about at all. But we've seen the uh, the, the evening news journalist have his, his media rights withdrawn. We've seen McGinley have the same sort of treatment. Um, we've seen the, uh, the fans all gather gather together as one for one of the, the only sort of times I can think of in recent memory when they were they were protesting against Anderson's methods and the way he's run the club. Obviously, not to try and force him to sell because I think the man has shown, Will, um, come to you mm-hmm. on that one in a second, the man has shown over the last couple of years that he won't do anything that's not on his own schedule. But perhaps you could just give us a quick rundown of uh, of the events of that night and, and 
how you thought it went as somebody who's you know fa- fairly front and centre to the whole thing. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I I was particularly astonished sort of by the turnout, and in a way, you know, why I say astonished, you know, I'm I'm glad in, in a way that that it was, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not shocked in the slightest, or I shouldn't be, you know, that that, that it was so well attended. And it's quite surreal for me. Obviously, I did a couple of interviews with uh, Sky, BBC, ITV. Um, and then obviously saw the crowd gather at about seven and, and you know, obviously the, the estimated turnout of, you know, what was about 1,500 to, to 2,500. Um, I know a couple of people said it was about 4,000, but, you know, that, that's been debated heavily. But even so, you know, I thought it, it was well attended. You know, the fans got the point across uh, fairly sensibly. Obviously, excluding what happened inside the stadium, but, you know, obviously we don't condone that and we, and we didn't, you know, sort of associate ourselves with that. So in terms of, you know, how it's gone on and, and how it's affected, you know, current affairs... I think, you know, it, it was pretty successful and I know people argue, well, define successful. Um, but, you know, the the fact that we're now, you know, moving forward with, with potential takeovers and, and, you know, that Ken's obviously responded in, in some manner um, suggests that, you know, it, it did have an effect and, you know, it, it was definitely worthwhile. Do you not feel in the slightest bit guilty about imposing on the club a, a £20,000 fine for police that were attending the game anyway? <sighs> I, mean, I can't say that we you know we can't hold ourselves <laughs> completely responsible for that you know um i think you know there's a there's a matter of a police presence at, at every game and you know whether or not you know there was there was extra there on the night then you know so be it but you know that that was a his own expense and you know it was his choice to do that um but you know he, he should have trusted us in, in the in our fact that we were going to protest sensibly you know it's going to be peaceful and um you know to some extent i thought it was um in terms of the, the pre-match stuff anyway so, yeah, I, I mean, I can't say I, I held ourselves accountable for that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I don't think you should be either. Eddie, I mean, the, um, the on-field protest in the form of the, the, the tennis balls being chucked on the pitch and then in the stands there was a lot of dissent, there was, there was, pla- there was like banners, there was posters with Anderson's face on, mocked up to look like the devil. There, there was all sorts of stuff going on. How, how did you feel about that and what, did you, what was your opinion? I mean, yeah, just like Will said, it was it was fantastic to see the turnout and the you know the support the fans have before the uh, the match, and I think it's just months and months of built up frustration, you know, to the events that happened during the game and you know at the start of the game with the tennis balls. It's just fans have you know come to a boiling point with all of the entire situation, and you know they have to vent it out in some manner. Um, it's regrettable the uh, the way it happened with the stewards, and that um, I hope that. Stewart, you know, was fine in the end. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, a situation that needs resolving. And, you know, the anger that was in the stands, it's, it's just months and months of fans, you know. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a tricky thing. And I just hope it can all get resolved so we can all move on. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, us and, and Anderson himself probably all, all have the same sort of opinion on that. Uh, right, well, to talk about football then for a little bit, because let's, let's do that. Um, transfer deadline days came and gone as well at the end of Jan. Um, uh, it has been a bit of an event, to say the least, over the last couple of years since Ken arrived with, with the last-minute additions, surprise additions, the odd interesting departure as well. But I think uh, we'll come to you first, unless yep. it's safe to say this was very much a, a non-event. I mean, we signed Connolly, we managed to keep Connell, um, yep. but we didn't sign the play that we perhaps needed. Whether that's Evans or not is another matter, I'll let you decide. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was widely talked about that, you know, Evans was the was the one that they were targeting, you know, he was reportedly in the hotel on the night, um, and then obviously, Joey Barton highly disagrees that, that that was the case, and, and that, you know, it, it's 
you know the poor communication between the two clubs, uh, particularly on our behalf, is the reason that we're that we're probably going to go down, which I highly disagree with, um, and I am pretty certain that you know it, it's you know from what I heard, you know it's the pieces of paper and the, and the last scraps of the deal um, that you know allowed it to, to fall through. So in that sense, you know I think it was probably more on, on Fleetwood or even Sheffield United's behalf, um, and you know as Barton. You know he's not exactly one to talk about professionality, so um, you know it, it, it's it's difficult to to sort of take. But in a way, you know it's it's whether or not it's a dodge bullet. I mean, obviously we've seen him score for Fleetwood since, and you know obviously the the divided opinion that he made, you know even before he, he had become a ball player, um, suggests that it it might not have been the best move for us. But again, you know we find ourselves without that extra striker that that we needed at the end of January. And although we brought in Connolly, I think it's safe to say that you know I think. Bolton fans were left pretty disappointed by deadline day. I mean, from from your point of view, I mean, how would you feel about Evans in the first place? I mean, there's two sides to that. There's his on the field performance, which in League One this season has been fine, absolutely fine. Um, championship wise, he obviously hasn't scored a championship goal for, for many no. different reasons for the best part of ten years. But to stick, stick with you just for a minute, Will, <laughs> do you think that Evans would have been a good signing for Bolton? George, do you think it would have been? More of the same because obviously this time last year we looked to trying to buy, bring McGuinness in, yeah, um, for similar sort of reasons. I mean, I, th- I think he would have been a good signing, you know, and at this rate, you know, with, with the current, you know, goals that, that that we're scoring or rather not scoring, um, suggest that it'd be better than nothing really. So, you know, whether or not we had other targets lined up, and you know, it's another matter as to whether or not we should have had them lined up, you know, weeks before. Um, you know, obviously there were, there was talks of you know Ashley Fletcher and and, and other lads like that who potentially could could have offered us that sort of extra injection of pace and, and goals yeah. um, up, up in the final third. But, you know, without without him, I think we're going to struggle. And, you know, whether or not he was the answer specifically um, is another matter. I think it was just more an importance of, you know, getting someone who would be able to score goals, and we haven't done that. No, that's true. And you never know how things work out. Um, Eddie, to talk about players that were retained and players that almost left, Obviously, we, we, on the day we heard that Connell was a target for many different clubs, Brighton, Southampton and Burnley, to name but three. Um, if you could just expand from here for a little bit on, on your thoughts behind him staying, what kind of deal might have been acceptable to you if you were in Ken's shoes? And also, interestingly enough, the the, the news that's come out since about Ostomer, that he, was in Char- he went to Charlton to look to sign a loan deal with them back in League One, where he's perhaps more comfortable, obviously where he's going to get a game. Um, and whether you're, you're happy that we managed to retain him or not, because obviously he's nowhere near the squad yesterday, uh, probably nowhere near the squad going forward as well if, if current uh, current trends are continued. But I was interested to know what you think about Ostomer and his potential move. Yeah, it's um, it's a shame really for Ostomer because it, it's clear that Parky doesn't rate him at all and he doesn't kind of fit the style of play that Parky likes to play. Um, and it's, it's similar to Evans in the way that he was down at Charlton's training ground, you know, ready to sign and other moves put a halt to that and it's a real shame for him because he you know he has been a really good player in League One over the last two seasons and I'm sure under Lee Boyer he would have thrived at Charlton if he's not going to get played here and, and well, you know whilst it's great he's still here you know if he's not going to play you know it's, it, there wasn't any point really you know it probably would have been better for him and better for everyone if he'd moved on um, which is a shame really um, but to retain Connell as well was absolutely fantastic I know he's only 17 and you know he's only played three or four games now, um, and he already looks like one of our better players. But to retain him uh, was a good move by the club. Obviously, you know, not getting a striker was the main thing, and you know we're, we're probably going to struggle. And I was as a matter of fact of that. But to re- keep our youth players, um, 
you know, for maybe for three months anyway, but even if he can have that impact for the next three months, hopefully, if his injury isn't too bad, um, will still be good. Um, maybe the money could have been of use, up to a million pounds, I think, was the rumour anyway. Um, but if you believe reports today, Brighton have put another bit of £300,000 in. So it, it's it's a strange situation because we're not in, a, you know, as a club, we're not in a situation where we can... Argue uh, about, yeah. Yeah, we can't really... Um, you know, driver, what price we want for him. You know, we're in a situation where we're struggling for yeah. funds and living month to month. Pay, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's if we if we can keep hold of him for a few months, that's great. But the, you know, the long term aim should be to time down to a professional deal and not try and cash in uh, on these small bids now. Yeah, good point. Um, so just a bit, just to sort of dwell on uh, Callum Collins just for a moment or two. Obviously, the the chatter online when he was due to sign was mainly in the form of smiley face emojis from Wigan fans, much in the way that we signed Andy Taylor, and that proved to be something somewhat of a of a, of a prediction for the future that perhaps won't be that overwhelmed with his signing. That whether you disagree or not is another matter. Uh, but how do you think he did yesterday? Uh, I thought he struggled a little bit at the start. I don't know if he's played much for Wigan this season, but I thought he was blowing a little bit, especially as the early part of the second half came on. But then, interestingly, Eddie, he, went, he seemed to improve when he went to left-back. Now, I'd seen that he'd played right-back a couple of times for Wigan, but not left-back. But, hell, anyone's better than Grounds, surely. Yeah, um, yeah, Grounds has really struggled, hasn't he? Um, I think he played nine times for Wigan in half a season and didn't do himself any favours. If you, you, know, you, you read what the Wigan fans have said in social media, but he, he had that really good spell at Ipswich a couple of years ago. So, you know, you have to give a player another chance and maybe Wigan just wasn't, you know, the right fit for him. Um, maybe, because, you know, only playing nine games, maybe he has been struggling and possibly playing at full-back. He's more comfortable um, if he's been playing right-back for Wigan. And um, if he if he's comfortable playing left-back, maybe he will be a better option than Grounds because Grounds has just looked devoid of any confidence recently when he's played. And I know he had that good game against Derby and uh, maybe a couple of spells during games, but yeah, he just he looked completely out of his depth against Preston yesterday, and hope maybe Connolly's the option if uh, Taylor remains injured. Yeah, I think we'll we'll find out when we play Birmingham midweek, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see him lining up there because when your grounds can't play against his parent team, I don't think Taylor's fit. So yeah, we might not be uh, not be blessed with choices there. But to move on to the Preston game, and Will, I'll just touch on this first with you. Yeah. Um, the Parkinson, for me, sprung a bit of a surprise with his formation, at least in the first part of the game. We played a 3-5-2 with Lowe and um, O'Neill mm. pushing up either side of um, of Wilson, Weeter <clears throat> and Grounds. Um, 3-5-2 as opposed to the traditional sort of 4-4-2 that we generally have played with Parky over the recent years, or the 4-5-1. Mm. What do you think about this sort of modern tactical revolution that he's employing yeah I mean obviously we, we, we've used the, the system before you know with, with the wing backs and you know obviously we've alternated between the 5-3-2 and the 3-5-2 obviously more recently we've been 4-2-3-1 and I think you know at, at this point struggling for goals and you know not exactly having the best record and, and effectively not really having much more to lose on the pitch you know it, it's worth switching things up just to, to try and see you know if, if that's that's another solution you know because with, without you know another striker involved you know to, to to have those two up front you know um whilst having you know the two sitting in front of, of the defense you know it, it still sort of obsessed that this has the same effect uh in terms of having two holding midfielders you know but then allowing a, you know a, a sort of a number 10 to push forward and then and then the two wings either side you know it, it in a way it's similar but 
in the same way it, it's I don't know it's potentially more effective and you know it's worth trying you know obviously we got we got a goal which <laughs> is saying something but again not much um yeah but it, it'd be interesting to see you know whether it whether he retains that or whether we switch back for a, a four at the back at, in midweek um it remains to be seen yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced with the personnel we've got that we've got that ability either at wing, wing back or centre back. But just a touch on the team then, uh, Eddie. I'll come over to you on this particular one. But Wilson and Weeter, I, I thought they struggled badly. Um, we obviously we know the limitations that that Weeter suffers from whenever he comes across anybody vaguely mobile. Uh, but what did you think of the pairing? I mean, I, I really didn't see much to be that positive on as far as looking back at the game. Did you? No, uh, not at all. Really, you know. Um... Sean McGuire's only a little lad, but he, he seems to have the run around of, of the pair of them um, with his pace throughout the game. And I think they really did struggle, you know, Preston are, you know, they're struggling in the league, really. You know, they're, they're only 15th, I think, but, you know, they, we made them look like a, a top six side the way they were playing. And just, yeah, the whole defence just completely struggled against their attack. What do you think about uh, mid-pacing to them? First of all, I'm, I thought it was one of, the, one of the better performances I've seen at the Reebok in, in recent years from an oppo- opposing player. I thought he absolutely dictated the pace. He looked like he had ages of time on the ball every single time he got it, and and never never failed to miss out, miss a Preston player with his pass. Yeah, absolutely. He completely dominated the game in midfield. You know, and he's the type of midfield I think Bolton are crying out for. Really, you know, someone who can control the game and pick out a pass. Maybe Connell could be that player um, in the in the Hope years so. to come if we can retain him. You know. Hope so. It was a real shame to see him go off injured. It was only the second time I've actually seen Connell play, and and I thought the way. He, directed play even for a young lad I thought was absolutely superb it really showed a, a maturity beyond his years but in terms of the other midfielders I know we've, we've touched on Connell ever so slightly um, but Eddie to come back to you O'Neill, Amiobi and Noon um, we'll throw Vela in there because obviously he was involved after 20 minutes or so how do you think the midfield did in general I thought to a man they were anonymous at best yeah, I mean, we, we had like a 10-minute spell where it was pretty even, but then, you know, playing that 3 5 two, it was, it was just far too deep. You know, Law was yeah. low and noon at wing-back. They were just playing far too deep, really, and they weren't offering much support to O'Neill, um, Connolly and Connell. Um, and it, that showed, really, how Preston were man- able to dictate the game. And I think Vela struggled when he came on. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it was a shame to see Connell go off injured because he probably looked the, the best out of the midfield. And uh, I think Vela just struggled along with the rest of them. He really did, um, and Will, just to come to you on that one yeah. on Vela. Obviously, we've we've had high hopes for lad for for quite a long time, but I think it's probably fair to say, the last eighteen months for him have been stagnant. If they haven't mean re- regression in yeah. terms of his, of his development as a footballer, obviously his contract's up end of the season. There's been absolutely, unless I've missed something, no noise whatsoever about the club talking about him about renewing. Um, mm. What do you think the future holds for Vela? It's hard to tell, really, because I mean, I completely agree with you that over the last eighteen months, or so you know, he's sort of been a, a quiet one and one that's in effect divided opinion. I mean, obviously, the last few weeks, understandably, we were without him um, because obviously the, the the birth of his of his child. Uh, but besides that, you know, obviously he had a spell of being completely out of the team and another one of just being on the bench for, for the sake of fulfilling the, uh, the the need of having an academy graduate yeah. in there. So. You know, I mean, he's not been overly that effective, you know, and at the very start of the season, you know, I, I was, you know, sort of in the ropes of writing an article about, you know, needing a big season from Vela, you know, having not, you know, been very average last season and, you know, just seeing him, you know, step up and see if he can fulfil his potential and, you know, obviously he hasn't done and whether or not Parkinson's team selections are, have, have allowed him to do that is another thing. 
but again, given his chances, you know, he, he hasn't really taken them. And, you know, like you said, his contract's up and whether or not, he'll, you know, he'll be kept on, I think, won't bother too many Bolton fans at the minute, unfortunately, you know, unless he can, you know, mm-hmm. p- find his step, you know, spring his step before the end of the season. But yeah. other than that, you know, he, he's likely to be a departure. Yeah, I completely agree. Eddie, do you have any any different opinions on that? Or do you think as well that Vela's, you know, this next couple of months will, will probably dictate whether the club can either afford to or, or would want to offer him new terms? Yeah, I think it's it's a huge couple of months for him, really, whether or not he, he's going to stay. Um, it, I think if we go down to League One, he could be a useful player, but um, <laughs> maybe he'd want to stay in the Championship um, if he could find an offer. You know, he's been linked with the likes of Leeds and other teams like that in the press over the last 18 months or so so maybe he could get a better move for himself and maybe just the change of scenery will um, improve him as a player who knows but um, if we do drop to League One and he can you know recapture that form that he had you know he scored double figures when we were with her two years ago so and he, he just looked a completely different player to what he has uh, over the last two years in the Championship um, but if he wants to move on it might be best for him and the club. Yeah, I mean, he was playing playing a different role, I think, wasn't he, in in, uh, in the League One campaign to what he's played in the in the Championship before with relegation and and after relegation, um, when he's obviously been played more as a as a deep line player, he's been shifted around the pitch in terms of playing right back, etc. Um, <clears throat> I just wonder whether he's suffered a little bit for his versatility in that he's brought in at times to play the odd role here and there, and never really had the chance to sort of dictate and define a position. The year he had playing alongside Clough, or, or those few months playing alongside Clough in League One, uh, just at the start of the season, he, he was absolutely brilliant. I completely agree. He was extremely uh, dynamic and energetic midfielder. And it just seems to me over the last 12, 18 months that all that confidence has left, be that his own form, be that the way that he's, he's coached, the, the, the role he's been asked to play. Um, time will tell, but yeah, I, I would be quite surprised at this minute in time if he, if he lined up in the team for us at the start of next season. OK, well, to, to continue the theme, let's just go through the remainder of the side from, from Preston. Um, Eddie, um, you mentioned Noon earlier on. I was deeply unimpressed with Noon. Um, I think he's, a, he's a, a winger that's really really flat to deceive since he joined Bolton. He came with quite a, a strong reputation in, at this level. But it's probably I think it's probably fair to say that his time here has been underwhelming at best. Both I know Buckley, Buckley wasn't uh, particularly wasn't involved at all I should say at weekend but I would probably tie them both with the same brushing that they're, they're similar sort of players in that they get their head down and do a fair bit of grafting but there's not really a lot of end result No yeah there's um, I think both of them there's been flashes of brilliance you know they, they're both uh, fantastic players in the past you know noon for Cardiff when they got promoted to the Premier League in Buckley for Brighton you know he earned that move to the Premier League with Sunderland but I think the situation the club's in, you know, we have to pick these players that are out of favour at other teams and, you know, cheaper players. And, you know, we had to give a chance to Buckley and Noon to try and prove themselves in the Championship. And, you know, while, they, you know, they, they've had the moments, um, it's, it's been few and far between, like the rest of the players, really. But I think if you're in this Bolton team, you know, you're going to struggle regardless of who you are. Um, and Noon certainly struggled yesterday, but, you know, he was playing left wing back. You know, he's, he's not a wing back. And, I don't think he has that defensive capability to no. play that role, um, you know, wholeheartedly. And it's, you know, uh, whether he can step up and try and, you know, play wing, um, depending on what Park is going to do the rest of the season. But hopefully, he can he can make some sort of impact and try and keep us up at the end of the day. Yeah, fingers crossed that happens. I mean, I, I would be surprised. Don't get me wrong. I uh, I hope he does prove us wrong, but uh, I, I would be surprised. 
Will, just to come back to his, his fellow midfield uh, comrade, Ami Obi, mm-hmm. I think we've, we've obviously given him a, a fair slice of, uh, of patience over the last 18 months, two years, where we know what he's like, we know what he can be like, and that's probably what's most frustrating of all, in that we know what he's capable of. Um, I thought yesterday he was desperately poor. In, in a season of pretty poor performances from him, I thought yesterday really took the biscuit. But overall... What do you think about Amiobi? Because clearly he's got incredible talent, but he just yeah. never seems to never seems to do it for us. I mean, again, he's another that divides opinion strongly. I mean, I know you know what our Rob, you know, he really doesn't like him, and you know, obviously we had that bid for him reportedly anyway on a, on deadline day, four million, which I think was shut down. Um, I can't remember exactly debunks even, um, but you know, even so, you know, he, he's definitely, I'd, yeah, I'd definitely put him under the the underperforming category. Um, you know, and like you said yesterday, he was pretty poor, and you know, it, it's it's frustrating, really. You know, when you know that he, he he does have these moments of brilliance, and you know, he's the best chance of a goal, particularly from long range. And you know, although he's pre- pretty predictable in in that, you know, just cuts inside and has a shot. You know, it's better it's better than nothing because you know no one else seems to really offer offer that sort of presence. And you know, his his dribbling and and his skillful, you know, discreet skillfulness, you know, on the ball is something which we. You know, we we really value you know particularly in League One, and again, it's a, it's a suggestion of whether or not he's been able to to sort of hack the championship. Um, yeah. You know, it, in a full season, you know, I think it was either this season or last, you know, but it, it was his his first full one. Um, you know, and, and it, obviously he struggled to to cope with it, but you know whether or not again he'll be another one that will be you know off off soon. I, you know, it is wouldn't come as a surprise to me. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're completely right, and I think it harks back to what to what Eddie said a few minutes ago about why we're picking up the, the, the cast-offs that other teams don't really fancy. And there's a reason why these players are, are on free transfers and the, the bigger clubs, the better clubs, you may say, have let the contract wind down. It's because they can't rely on them. And we're forced to rely on them, which is why we should perhaps not be that surprised when these players turn out to be wildly inconsistent. I was just okay, going well, to gonna say briefly as well, um, you know, his future at the club obviously depends on, you know, whether he, he fits into Parky's plans, you know. Obviously, changing the, the the system back to three five two at weekend, you know whether whether he fits in into his plans in that in that you know perspective, and then again, obviously, you know we saw a glimpse of Noon play on the left against Brentford, uh, not Brentford, sorry, um, in the cup against Walsall. Um, obviously, again, that that was against a League One side, you know, but obviously performed well, and you know as as Obi's usual role, you know whether or not, you know, I mean, like you said, Noon was no better on the day. Um, you know, but whether or not you know with the option of Buckley again, which is another I don't particularly rate, but you know it, it's it's a case of whether or not he still fits into his plans come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, do you think there's any merit in that? Do you think there's there's an opportunity for Amiobi to remain and to develop, or do you think a new manager might come in and not fancy him because of the the sort of negative points to his character that we've perhaps discussed? I mean, I think it depends at the end of the day what league we're in. Um, I, I think he's got another year in his and his deal anyway, so it, you know we'd have to accept an offer for him if he was to move on. Um, but he, he, you know, he has shown in in glimpses that he has got that dynamic style that you know could change a game or could flip a game on its on its head. And it, I think um, if we are able to, you know, get new owners and maybe get some money to buy a better caliber of player, maybe he could be a fantastic squad player to come off the bench. Um, because he, he does he ha- kind of hold the ball up well, and when we've been struggling, you know, to hold on to a result, he's he's got some kind of defensive capabilities, and he has shown that previously, and yeah. he can kind of hold the ball up. Um, but as a starter, and in in our current situation, he's he's 
probably the best of, of a bad bunch. But um, if we are able to sign a better calibre player, I think he might be a useful squad player. Yeah, I think I'm, that's the, the sort of angle I'm leaning on that I'd like to see him remain because I think when he's good, he's, he can be really good. But when we're, we're forced to have him there every single week, then I think that's where the, where the problems start. Now, we, we spoke on McGuinness as well before, and we'll lump Donaldson in the same same conversation. Um, I, I think McGuinness, I, I feel for him a little bit because I, I believe he's probably playing a full division above his level, um, trying to be trying to say that in a nice way. But at the same time, his lack of goals can only be, I think, can be attributed not only to that, but to his, his lack of service to his teammates. I mean, he had one good cross after about 10 minutes from O'Neill yesterday that he managed to get a header on target. And I, I can't really remember much bar that, that he had, you know, by ways of decent balls in the box or things that he could do other than just fighting for the ball against one or two defenders who were, were marking him with ease. Um, Will, just to talk first to you about that, mm-hmm. we obviously don't, don't have much variation to the way that we play. It's the no. big man up top and not really a great deal else. Um, yeah. McGuinness, give me your opinion on his time at the club. It's a, Yeah, it's a difficult one, really, because I think, obviously, when he first arrived and he, and he got that brace on, on his debut against West Brom, you know, everyone thought, yes, here we go, you know, this, this is, you know, potentially your 10 goal a season man, at least. And, um, obviously, he's coming in and then he, he, he had a run of games and I think, he, you know, he scored a few in a row and then, you know, he sort of sort of came off the pace a little bit, and obviously Donaldson was given his chance. And you know, at that point, you know, we we were at the the luxury of just being able to to rotate the two, and you know, and an experiment with the formation, and you know, see which yeah. one was going to fit the formation best. And obviously, neither of them have really stepped up to the plate, particularly Donaldson, which you know, I think every time he starts on his own, you know, we may as well just scrap the whole game off. And you know, even though he scored on you know yesterday against Preston, you know, which, which was you know a real novelty to see. Um, I think McGuinness is still the the better option, you know. I think given a, a better run of games, you know, he he might, you know, we see we might see that form, um, you know, reappear briefly. Obviously, got that hat trick against Walsall, you know, sort of off the back of nothing. Um, again, that's a League One side, and you know, again, you know, you question this with a lot of the players, you know, like you touched on with Amiobi, you know, it, all right, it'd be good in League One, but whether or not he'd stick around is another is another point, but. You know, with with McGuinness, you know, you know, like you say, potentially playing, you know, a league above his level, and you know whether or not, again, he'd be better suited to, to League One football, and you know, with the way that we're going, I think he'd definitely be be more used to us next season. Um, you know, and potentially, you know, the the addition in summer was was, you know, possibly not the best move for him. Mm. Uh, Will uh, Eddie, sorry, what do you think? Yeah, I, I kind of feel sorry for McGuinness really because um, for large times in, in games this season he's just looked far too isolated from the rest of the team and he, he has to do a hell of a lot of work up top to try and hold the ball up and try and lay it off to someone else but you know far too often players are too far away from him or uh, he's just not yeah. getting the right service because of that and uh, he's, he's doing a really hard job up there and he's I think he's he, you know he's not championship quality or not high end championship quality you know um whether or not he could make a, a decent career as a lower end championship striker remains to be seen. But yeah, he did look, you know, when, when the team were playing well, he, he just looked fantastic and he looked uh, com- full of confidence and he was scoring. But since he's he's gone on to, you know, back to Northern Ireland and on the international team, he's just looked tired and I think his fitness levels have been poor and maybe that's just down to him and maybe that's why Donaldson's been starting the last few games. Yeah. Um, which is a shame to see, but you know, I think if you look back to the start of the season, McGuinness was coming in as the second choice striker. You know, the, the noise coming from the club was still that there was going to be this big marquee striker signing still to come, and 
play alongside him and even back when we had Lafondre, you know, if if we if Lafondre had played alongside him, you know, I think we we probably would have done a lot better. But you know, there was no stopping him going to Sydney. Uh, but you know, the situation the clubs in, you know, they didn't have the finances to get that other striker. And McGuinness has had to do the job of two strikers on his own this season, and he struggled. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that from from anyone in terms of how they've all gone on it. Oh, that's been a bit of a case of this is what we've got, this is what we're going to go with, and and let's try and make the best of it. Now, I'm going to ask you both about the manager's point of view and the manager's role in all this next, because obviously we all, well, I assume we all feel the same about the way the manager's performed, that it's it's not been good enough as well as him having his hands tied on many different issues. Uh, But to stick with you, Eddie, then, first of all, obviously the, the performance yesterday was what it was, but it's just something that bothers me about Parkinson is, is the way that he's on the, on the touchlines. I don't see a great deal of, of impact. He's, his squad is what it is and his, his ability to change the game from the sidelines, at, at least in the last so what six, eight months of the season has been on with, doesn't seem to be that great. Um, how, how do you assess his overall time at Wanderers? I mean, the time he spent in the championship uh, in his previous jobs wasn't very successful, but he, at the same time he managed to get a a bit of a ragtag bunch promoted last season. So, overall, how would you assess it? I, I think his his first two years were great, really. I think to get the club out of League One, you know, under the embargo and with the restrictions, was absolutely fantastic. You know, I don't think many Bolton fans expected us to go back up at the first time of asking, and we're probably looking at the playoffs as a, a realistic achievement. And you know, to get promoted with that team was great. And you know, even though at times last season, you know, people were calling for his head, you know, he, he did the job that he was expected to. He kept us in the league. And it's just clear that, you know, he's, it, it might be just out of ideas, really, with the players he's got and the tactics he's using. You know, yeah. you could you could say he's a victim of circumstance, and he is in, in many ways, you know, the situation behind the scenes. But to not try other things and to, you know, to resort to, you know, sticking with one man up front or the same team and not trying to rotate and, I know we don't have the, you know, necessarily the biggest squad and the greatest depth of players, but to stick with the same formations and you know to stick with the same game plan, it's it's not working and it's it's a real shame to see because you know for the work he has done previously, you know he he, he deserves the fans' respect, but I think just the results this season haven't been good enough and maybe it's best that he, you know he moves on. Yeah, I feel the same. And my question to you then, Will, next will be about whether the team needs that fresh voice. Um, we've obviously seen in the past calls from all kinds of different people to to promote from within, mm-hmm. uh, at least at the end of the season, see what happens. But where do you stand on that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, my opinion, you know, I have a little bit of a soft spot for Parkinson. You know, I had the privilege of, of speaking to him earlier on in the season. Um, you know, and I really, you know, think he's a genuine guy, you know. And, you know, I had the opinion that, you know, people didn't like... people. Uh, the opinion was that, you know, the... The animosity towards him wasn't as as strong as you know people necessarily w- would be you know when face to face with him, you know I think people overhyped disliking him when when in reality you know they had to appreciate the job he'd done for us, and and you know wh- whether or not it's now coming to that point where you know I, I mean I said in a tweet today you know something has to give and I think it's quite possibly going to be that the manager I mean obviously we've discussed that you know sacking takes money you know it, it costs money and you know whether or not you know there's a possibility for, for him to walk you know whether there's other options such as whatever's you know known as a gardening leave um you know it, it's difficult to sort of tell where where we're up to in sort of you know allowing something to change on the pitch you know and what it is that, that's going to allow that to happen you know and it could just be as easy as bringing in a new striker and all our hopes of you know 
a saved and that should have happened you know that should have been the case in January if it was going to happen at all and I think you know despite him being you know sort of dealt a bad hand in that you know in that respect um you know maybe it, it's a bit too late for him to, to salvage anything now and um you know there's a good chance that you know I think whilst my opinion sort of changed on him and you know we've sort of just been left with no choice but but to sort of you know accept accept failure really and through, because it's not really through any fault of his own or I mean you could argue that, that it is in some points because you know people say you know he sets up to lose and, and so on you know I think I think there's a, a strong possibility that it, it, it's you know going to be soon upon us that you know a decision will be made where the management's concerned and you know he's going to be on the, on the, yeah. on the receiving end of it but, I totally agree I, I think a lot of it comes down at least from my point of view to to the, the the sort of unfathomable alienation of certain players, we've seen it in the past couple of years with various people, with Lafondra, with with um, as well, and more recently, this, this just seems to be favourites that come and go. Mark Little, for example, he was first choice every single week for thirty five games, and then he, he gets a red card in one match, and then he's never hardly ever been seen since. There's just yeah. some things that I think that that raise questions, and and I, I try to sort of separate the personal from the professional, and although he does. He does clearly come across as a dignified and, and like you've said to me on many occasions, well, he's a nice guy. Yeah. And um, I just time has come where a fresh voice is needed in the dressing room, and whether that is David Lee, whether that's someone else. Yeah. I, I think, don't really care I think, anymore. I think the time's come. Yeah, I think your article that that you done a couple of months ago now, you know that which was titled "Polite Mutiny." Um, I yeah. think that that summed it up pretty well. You know, it, it's not really his fault, but I think you know it's the best thing to do in in terms of a dignified exit and. You know, whilst that option is still on the table, you know whether he should be doing that. You know, and, and as difficult it is to walk walk away from that sort of a job, you know, based yeah. on the pay. And you know, you know, people have described him as, as the safest manager in England. And you know, even if that's for the wrong reasons, you know, he, he should take some pride in that. You know, because obviously, you know, there's still some value sitting in you know his, his managerial abilities. And I think, given you know a better club and a better substantial background, you know, you know, to that uh, backing, sorry, um, from such a club. You know, I'm sure he'd do very well, and you know, the last thing you want to do really is affect his future in management because you know he's definitely a top manager, and it's just not really, um, it's not really salvageable now in the state we're in, to be honest. No, and Eddie, on on that particular point, do you think that uh, that anything that Parkinson can do now to change things would maybe point to him having a future at the club under under a new chairman, for example? Um, I, I wonder about any sort of immediate implementation of a, of a more expansive style of play, um, or even just you know going balls out to win a try and win a few football matches. Do you think there's any any going back um, for Parkinson at this stage? Uh, I mean, you know, we've we've got how many games has it left? Uh, Fifteen games to go in the season, and we're four points adrift in you know in the bottom three. Um, I think. You know he's he's got fifteen games to try and show that he he can adapt and he can change and yeah. maybe try and save his job because um, you saw it when Anderson and Holdsworth came in. You know the situation with Neil Lennon becomes so untenable that he left after a defeat to Preston and uh, you know you know the football was better than you know he, he was he was not afraid you know of trying to attack and win again. You know we we might lose a game four three or anything like that, but at least he you know the players that we had at that time he wasn't afraid of giving a team a go and. Maybe yeah, Parkinson yeah, should try and adapt to that, you know, in the last 15 games because, you know, there's no doubt and he's a fantastic League One manager and I've no doubt that if he stayed, you know, he'd be able to get us out of League One again. But, you know, if, if the new ownership want a, a fresh manager and a fresh uh, fresh ideas, you know, maybe they will. But, you know, Parkinson certainly has the uh, 
the chance to change and the chance to prove that he, you know he's the right man to continue managing Milton Wanderers. I have felt sort of that, you know, at, at this stage, you know, it's not too late to to avoid, you know, what's sort of expected of us now. And although that, you know, the the general consensus is that that you know relegation is you know almost certain for us, you know, you've got to have you know some faith in that. You know, it'll just take something to get us out of this mess. You know, whether it is just a run of you know two up front, whether it's a change in formation, whatever it be, I think it's just got to be. You know, everything's just got to be thrown at it. In order to for something to change, you know, before the end of the season. From my point of view, it's not so much about saving ourselves from relegation because I'm not convinced that that's possible at this minute in time. I'm just more interested in in, in us at least having a bit of a go because one mm-hmm. thing that was evident from the defeat yesterday was there was a, a distinct lack of fight. It was it was, you know, I I don't really want to pine for someone like Carl Henry because <laughs> over the years he's a right bastard, but. I can't imagine him taking that defeat as meekly as the as the guys on the pitch yesterday did. Um, obviously, in, in his time of life, he, his his legs would have been harder to follow someone like Pearson around the game. But you can guarantee that he certainly wouldn't have taken defeat lying down on the chin. A lot of those players yesterday shut up shop. You know, 65, 70 minutes. The, the mistake that came uh, that led to the second goal was was just a pure example of the lack of care, the carelessness in general. And just an overall lack of desire to get the basics done in order to win the game. And and I think all that stems from the top, personally. So I, I don't think there's any way back for Parkinson. I think that he could well try and change his spot. But at the end of the day, he'll always be the same sort of leopard. Um, OK, well, I think there's anything else you guys want to talk about in terms of the game yesterday. Or do you think we've, we've covered it pretty comprehensively there? Yeah, I think we have. Uh, Sorry, go on, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just add that, um, that I think the scoreline flattered us massively. Mm. Uh, to be honest, um, how the hell we almost got a draw out of that, I'll never know. Um, mm. Preston should have uh, put six you know, past us, um, you know, long before Donaldson put the ball in the net. And you know, whilst it would have been absolutely fantastic to claim a point right at the death, you know, Rudd's made a fantastic save from McGuinness. You know, it, it just would have been completely undeserved, and Preston completely oh, played us off the park. Have you ever known, uh, just to finish off on the game stuff, then, have you ever known a, a goal to be met with such a wall of silence as that Donaldson one yesterday? I'm not sure if people were. <laughs> Stunned into silence, or if it was the fact that there was hardly anybody left in the ground afterwards. Yeah, I think that's the, the worst uh, celebration I've seen from a set of fans anyway. Um, yeah, I, there was a mass walkout when the second goal went in, and then the people that were left were just that bored. And, you know, the, the, it is too much apathy around, you know, to cheer a consolation goal when you you know you should have lost by five or six. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I'd be, you know, questioning now, you know, the, even just the season ticket numbers for next year, you know, based on, on the football that we're playing, you know, and as I said, you know, unless something gives before the end of the season, you know, I think, you know, we're definitely going to be struggling to even, you know, get 10 through the gate next season if we're lucky, never mind 20, yeah. you know, that, that was expected a couple of months ago. So, you know, I'm quite wor- I'm worried for it. But yeah. yeah, I think it's legitimate worry, but I mean, it does make it easier to get away from the game afterwards. So I'm not overly concerned about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Uh, Will, I believe you've got some Twitter questions. That you I want do, to pose. Yeah. So we, we, we briefly asked for your, your questions. Um, just earlier on, um, just to, to finish us off this evening and just getting them up now. So the first one is from our very own Ian Firth, um, who we've recently welcomed back to Lennon Vienna. So a little shout out to him. Um, he says, the Lennon relegation season of 15-16 ended with us on 30 points and just 41 goals scored and a goal difference of minus 41. That was bad. Will this season be worse? Eddie, I'll let you take that first. <laughs> Uh, probably, yeah. That stat came out today, didn't it? That um, we're currently on course for the worst um, goals to game ratio in the club's history, or since 
records began. Um, and it harks back to the point you were making earlier, Chris, about you know giving it a go and trying to attack teams. And you know, whilst you know Lennon, you know the defense was absolutely dire in that 15-16 season, he wasn't afraid of giving it a go and you know trying to score in a game. And we're not seeing that this season. And maybe it's better to try and lose three two than lose two nil or you know one nil. Yeah, I completely agree, and I'd just like to see us have a bit more of a go. And yeah, we may well lose, you know, we may well get battered. It's one of them. I'd much rather give the lads a cheer for getting off the pitch in in having at least put some graft in, um, yeah. than to just to accept it with this sort of resigned meekness that we have done to date this uh, so far, at least in the last twenty games or so, when it's been it's been pretty pathetic. Yeah, I think I completely agree with that. You know, I think it's just what Bolton fans expect at the very least, and to you know just to put some effort in and. And, and to go down fighting if, if we are going to. Yeah. I really don't too much to ask at all for the. the, yeah. the and I'm sure I'm sure if you were to question every single one of them, they'd, they'd be very very upset and offended that anyone would suggest that perhaps they're not trying hard enough. But it, it may well be that their their best isn't isn't good enough, and I think yeah. evidence is probably there to support that. But it, from the sidelines, it certainly looks like the players have already accepted the fate. Yeah, I think everybody just knows it, and you know what it. it it's not really a toxic atmosphere as such anymore, you know, but like you said, you know, with, with the Donaldson goal going in and, you know, there being, you know, not even the, the weakest of celebrations, you know, just suggests that everybody sort of knows the outcome already. So Yeah, it's just boredom. It's sheer boredom. And I don't know about you, either of you guys, but I had a couple of spare tickets at weekend and Christ, getting rid of spare tickets these days is an absolute <laughs> ball ache because nobody, nobody wants to come. No. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, neutrals don't want to come because they've heard it's shit and they're down the bottom of the league so it's going to be rubbish people who you even can rely upon in the past to take a freebie off you will find mm. other things to do because Christ you know even us that, that do attend the game I think I could have thought I did think I should say of at least two or three of the things I would have rather have done with my time than to slap up to Rebark and sit there with the wind slapping me in the face <laughs> Um, Ollie Fletcher says uh, if Parky is to be sacked or leave who do you think we should get in to replace him question asked many a time we'll go to Chris well I, I, my dream manager is in a job so I mean what can we do until Mr <laughs> Warnick becomes available then we'll have to we'll have to just plod on um, I, I think you have to you, the obvious choice is to promote from within not mm. only from a, a financial point of view but from a, a at least one minor little attempt by Anderson or you know whoever it may be if Anderson's not there mm. to get the fans back on board because we could lose every single one of the last dozen games if David Lee was in charge and we looked like we tried a little bit more, at least fans would appreciate what they were trying to do. Um, and so I think David Lee is the, is the obvious answer. Eddie? Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. You know, it's similar to the 15-16 season, uh, season when we went down. You know, it, Jimmy Phillips was put in charge when the new ownership came in and we brought back Peter Reid as a like an sort of assistant manager. Um, and you'll probably see something similar um, if we, you know, the new ownership takes over before the end of the season. If they do want to get rid of Parkinson, David Lee will probably come in and take a caretaker role. And you know, depending how he does, you know, who knows? But we'll probably yeah, uh, look to hire someone at the start of next season. Yeah, I mean, I, I raised a point, you know, a couple of weeks ago, now, you know, saying, you know, which manager is going to look at us now, you know, with the potential of a, you know, a manager's place. Um, and genuinely think, you know what, that that would be a good challenge, you know, or, or even, you know, like, like anyone would want to go there, you know, it just doesn't seem appetising at all. And, you know, unless you've got some real grit and determination, it's just determined to, you know, or, or have some uh, soft spot for the club or, you know, some relation to the club, you know, you'd argue, you know, why else would you do it? So I think, you what know. What about you, Will? 
Would you would you fancy Leo? Do you think there's anybody else out there that might be? I mean, David Lee has always seemed to be a bit last resort for me. I mean, I'm not dismissing that it that it, it's a possibility at all that it could become you know a good solution, but. You know, I mean, I'm sort of with you on on the Neil one up front. I mean, I've always liked him as a manager. You know, you've seen the the, the clips of him, you know, in the dressing room, and it just seems the the type of character, you know, which, which would take, which it would take, you know, you know, to get these players, you know, going again, and you know, just to get a bit of fight in the team. But um, yeah, I mean, I can't think of better, you know, many more better managers than Warnock, you know, in in such a position to, you know, to, to take on it on the challenge. But yeah. yeah. Um, Philip Shorten says, do you seriously see the club being able to fulfil its fixtures this season? If so, what will rescue them? It's a bit of a dark I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's, a, yeah, that's a bit dramatic for me, that one. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't think there's any chance of us not fulfilling our fixtures because even if the worst comes to the worst and they're, they're forced into a liquidation, whatever you want to say, there'll mm. always be somebody, as we've already seen with Ken, there'll always be somebody ready to pick at the bones. So yeah. I don't think there's any chance of that and I think Philip should maybe start watching so many daytime soap operas and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously a lot depends on what happens at the end of this month. You know, we've all heard the rumours as you know, the, the debts that we're due and everything, so that are due rather, so um, we'll just have to see what happens with that. But yeah, um, Ben Eckersley says, what's the latest on Connell to do with his injury and contract? I wish we knew. <laughs> Eddie, any say on that? And uh, yeah, just with you, Will, we're, we're completely clueless, aren't we? You know, hopefully he signs a, a pro deal, but you know, until we hear anything, none of the wiser. No, um, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to the hope that his injury isn't too bad, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure what his contract situation is. Is it up at the end of the season? Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. he's still on a scholarship deal, so yeah, it's yeah. like a one-year contract, so up yeah. at the end of the season. I mean, you would have thought that the club at least be looking at it if if that is their intentions, you know, and you know, like we said with Vela, really, you know. If you're going to compare the two, you know which one are you going to give a contract to? That's that's the question I'll pose to you, Chris. Um, yeah, I think that there's no question. I think even at this latest early stage in his Bolton career, I think Connell has got that drive and that uh, excitement factor that I think most supporters would probably want to hang the hat on him going forward. Um, the underachievement of everyone else in the team, and that, you know more or less without ex- without exception. Um, yeah, let's put all our eggs in one basket. Go for it. Mm. Um, and finally, Gazvik, as I'll miss out the beginning of the question because it's, again, pretty impossible for us to tell. Um, the end of it is, Ken Anderson a survival event? What are your opinions, Eddie? What's a survival event? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just whether he's going to be here to the end of the season. Is, is how we'll take that, I think. We'll find out in a couple of weeks, I guess. <laughs> I hope so. But, yeah, it's a difficult one to tell that, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean... It it just be on on the hope that you know someone would be would be ready to come in and you know and sort us out because again you know we we can't really face that potential of liquidation and I'd hate to think that you know as dramatic as that question was before from Philip you know fulfilling a fixtures you know isn't isn't exactly the uh, the ideal outcome but yeah <laughs> I'll put your question to you then Will if if the club yeah. was to to go out of business, what would you do with your Saturdays? Oh, that's an interesting one. Stay in bed. No, joking. Um, as much as I'd love to do that, possibly. Oh, people are going to knock my loyalties here. Um, Accrington Stanley, I think, is the, is the safe option. Okay. Um, they're, they're a little bit, you know, they're, they're my my closest to home, and you know, I like going and watching them. You know, when when there's no, you know, matches at weekend or whatever. Um, Eddie. <laughs> I think I'd go and uh, support Charlie probably, or uh, 
probably just move country and go and live somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine a life without Bolton, isn't it? I mean, you've you've got to think that you know there'd at least be a, another setup or some form of you know reinvention of the club, or at least you'd hope. But you know, it's it's sort of completely yeah. the unknown, I suppose, isn't it? I don't know of any of any club really that, that that's gone through the whole process. I mean, obviously, I know Pompey went went close and everything, but you know, it, it's difficult to sort of tell. You know what what had happened to us. You know what had happened to to the club, the stadium, the fans. You know, it's. It's scary, so let's yeah. hope we don't. Have time to... will tell, my friend. Time will yeah. tell. At least we might save a bit, of, save a bit of money on season tickets anyway. <laughs> for the worst possible. Again, that's the other thing, you know, getting numbers through the door. You know, if we're going to retain the same season ticket prices, I think we've got absolutely no chance of, of filling even, you know, half of, of the stadium. So it's mm. again, that's that's the scary thing, you know, about even making profits. You know, regardless of who's in charge, but. Yeah, well, we it's... won't worry about that until we've got something to worry about, eh? We'll, yeah. uh, we'll try and remain positive on that front. And I think, yeah. guys, unless you've got anything you particularly want to discuss that we've missed, I think that that might be a suitable time to bring the 101st episode of this fine podcast to a to a sexy close. Um, anything else you want to add on, lads, or are we I, all good to go? I was just going to say about the, the takeover sort of stuff. You know, obviously Mark broke the, the story last weekend. Oh, yeah, you know, do, do we think, you know, the trail's gone cold? Do we think no news is good news? You know, I mean, obviously, we, we, you know, we've had a couple of reports, you know, you know, the odd, you know, sort of hint, you know, where, where do you think we sort of stand on that? Either of you. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully, is the, 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 the virtual silence from uh, from Anderson is, is news that he's working as hard as he possibly can and that things are moving at a pace. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what's coming up in the next two or three weeks in terms of his deadlines and his liabilities. Um so no doubt he's working harder than he's ever worked before to make sure that whatever happens doesn't come back on him. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's what that's what I had to, to raise, Eddie. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, hopefully no news is good news, and you know the less it's in the press and you know the less noise coming from respective parties and and Ken Anderson. Hopefully it means you know they're working hard to try and get a deal done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're all we're all the same opinion there, righty ho. Brilliant. Well. Uh, it's been a pleasure, lads. Very nice to talk to you as always. I'm going to hand yeah. over to Will to do the Twitter farewells because I've got absolutely no idea what your respective addresses are. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I've not forgotten all that. So yeah, from my perspective, I've been Chris. He's been Will. He's been Eddie. And if you'd like to follow the website, it's Line of Vienna STE. Just a reminder, it's not a person called Steve. Uh, but Will, where can we find where can we find your good self on the um, internet? You can find me on Twitter at wi1lj. Um, and obviously, you know, find all my ramblings and the podcasts um, that I'm sure you already know where to find them because you'll be listening to it um, on the website and the Twitter, as Chris has just said. Excellent. One thing I did notice was uh, when I was messing about on YouTube, on iTunes the other day, mm. distinct lack of uh, reviews on our little iTunes page. Yeah. So I wonder if one of you two lads could kindly put up on Twitter later on a a polite request to the, the dear and the, the great listeners of this show to uh, to leave us a review as well. Eddie, just to come to you before we close, where can people find you if they want to say hello? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eddie Skilly or you can find me on the Land of Vienna account posting videos and gifts of the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we've got to cling to now, guys, our memories. Well, yeah. on that bombshell, I think we'll call it a day um, and we'll look forward to hopefully speaking to you next week after we've beaten Birmingham on Tuesday. And then we've beaten top of the table Norwich on Saturday. So, (laughs) with that in mind, good night, everyone, and see you later. Bye.